electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, Senator Elizabeth Warren makes her case for taxing the wealthiest Americans. I cannot believe that I've gotten you to say that we should tax the rich more, Joe. Not hurting me. Not hurting me, Senator. I'm loving this moment. In an extended interview, Warren details her tax plan two and three cents at a time. It's the fairest, it's the most progressive, and... Here's the thing. It helps level the playing field just a little bit. Plus, Merck and Johnson & Johnson are teaming up to churn out vaccines. And after a full year of remote broadcast, things have gotten interesting. Zoom. 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 It's Tuesday, March 2nd, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Andrew? Thanks, Bex. Meantime, uh, we have some breaking news this morning in Washington that could impact future stimulus measures. Elon Moy joins us with the latest. Elon. Well, Andrew, the COVID relief package is still winding its way through Congress. But today, 10 Democratic senators are going to be laying down a marker for the next stimulus package. They're calling on President Biden to make sure that his massive infrastructure and investment plan includes an extension of unemployment benefits and recurring stimulus payments. And importantly, they want to tie those benefits to broader economic conditions. Now, this idea of automatic stabilizers does have the backing of key committee chairmen, including Bernie Sanders, Ron Wyden, Sherrod Brown, and others. And in a new letter to President Biden, they wrote, this crisis is far from over and families deserve certainty that they can put food on the table and keep a roof over their heads. Families should not be at the mercy of constantly shifting legislative timelines and ad hoc solutions. Now, enhanced unemployment benefits will run out in just two weeks. The current COVID relief bill would extend them through the end of August. But after that, both workers and lawmakers are going to face another cliff. So, guys, I've talked to unemployed workers about this, and they tell me that they've been burned by some of these arbitrary cutoff dates for their benefits. And they've been frustrated by the fact that lawmakers' promises to make some of these benefits retroactive have not panned out. So we are starting to see that debate about what comes after COVID relief heat up on Capitol Hill. Back to you. Thanks, Elon. Now, we're going to talk a lot more about this with our special guest, Senator Elizabeth Warren, who's going to be joining us. We're also going to cover her billionaire tax proposal. Joe? Andrew, Zoom. Zoom. Zoom uh, is uh, zooming higher, it says here. Uh, the company late yesterday had earnings of $1.22. The estimate was only $0.79. Cents. Uh, revenue also beat. And Zoom expanded its gross margins to nearly 70 percent from 66.7 percent in the prior quarters. Churn rates remain uh, higher than before the pandemic, although the company lost fewer customers than it expected. And CFO Kelly Steckelberg said the company is uh, open to buying companies while it has more cash but hasn't found uh, the right match just yet. The future is bright. I don't know what it means for for the way we do our business here. We're very familiar with uh, with Zoom now. Um, 
It, it's great, I guess. Is there anything we can do about the quality of the of the shots that that people did, did you did did you guys see the Golden Globe at all? Did you see Sean Penn? I mean, is that really did. what he looks like? Is that what he looks did like? You still, did you see Bill Murray? Didn't did see. see Murray, I didn't watch though, it. Outside? I just saw some Twitter stuff. Uh, uh, he was pretty Al Pacino, cool. He I saw a Hawaiian a shirt. Martini. Saw a picture of Al looked like he was asleep and totally bored, but didn't look great. And and. I don't know. Is it the lighting, guys? What What is it about Zoom that can be so, uh, I don't know, non-complimentary to the way people actually look? And they do, do they know. do We're they all care? Doing our own hair and makeup. We're all doing makeup, our own hair and makeup. makeup helps. Not a plus. Makeup helps. Yeah. Lighting helps. Um, but it's so it's not the quality of the video is not strained. Is that not what it? Uh, well, Andrew, do you have any? Sometimes. You look you look good. You look good every morning. Thanks. Uh, but there are the 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 uh, there is a wide range of of you know what people well, I mean, see when they turn on the CNBC. Laptop. Most people have their laptop below them, and so the camera's looking up up your nose and all of the you know right. That's half the problem. <laughs> it's gray. It's the lighting. <clears throat> Maybe it's true. the makeup. Maybe we need to go long. They're sitting. Sephora or something. They're sitting in front of windows where the lights coming in, which you should never do. You right. should sit with the window coming there's in lots facing of lessons. you instead of. Yeah, we could do the, a squawk box special on on how to set up the 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 look. Right. If you're going to work at home, if you're going to, and some people, you know, that we have on, they've got, you know, their prime uh, meat for Elizabeth Warren. Some of these people we have on, and they still can't afford a decent setup. Okay, let's move on here uh, before we we get in too much uh, trouble. But I just think that you know, everybody's shot could be improved. We work on it. We have to. Um, but, but, you know, our guests, maybe yeah. we need to talk to some of our guests about, about how they're going to do I think you just told them. Now, time for a podcast reminder that Squawk Pod gives you the best moments and analysis of our three-hour morning show on CNBC and sometimes a little extra. Joe, Becky, and Andrew have spent the last, well, almost a year anchoring from three separate locations every morning, seeing each other through Zoom, naturally, or individual monitors like spy cams during the show. Becky, I can see you. I can see you. I see you. I see you over there. Not everybody can. You guys see me? You guys got your... Uh... I, see you. I see you. I see you. So we bring you this moment of Joe asking for grooming tips. Everything okay there? Uh, <laughs> You've been using the trimmer. Good job. Those things. You'll see. You'll see. <laughs> when the batteries run out, and if you don't have the batteries, you know, you, you don't want to, you oh, don't no. want to, you don't want to wing it. You need, you need a professional, uh, you need professional help. And you, Becky, how long do, do ear hair, how, how far back does that go? We don't need to out uh, the fed guy that, that has it. Uh, 16 where, years ago. Really, Hobbit-like. The, the barber does. He wouldn't does. have said you, anything, but he ordered me to go get him. Remember the reason that we even made fun of it was because he ordered me to go get him coffee. Hey, you, go get me coffee. And? That was the reason we started talking about the ear <laughs> yeah. hair, and you were very, <laughs> you were supportive. I, I appreciate it. I am it. supportive. <laughs> why would, why would, why is that? Surprising. Of course I'm supportive. No, I'm, seri I'm serious. You were, you were very supportive. This was a long time ago, and I still remember that. And appreciate Andrew, do you, Thank you. What's your, do you, does your barber help? I mean, what, uh, I mean, are they with do the, eyebrows? With my, uh, I'm. What, you're blessed? You're blessed? <laughs> you get too I'm much, blessed. you can't even fit your IFB in there. I mean, you can't even. playing us out of here. 
Next, on Squawk Pod, taxing the super rich. Senator Elizabeth Warren details her two and three cent plan for millionaires and billionaires and why for now those pennies are plenty. I'm just a girl from Oklahoma. I think $3 trillion actually sounds like a lot of money. That interview right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Here's Andrew. Welcome back to Squawk Box this morning. Senator Elizabeth Warren unveiling a new proposal to tax the wealthy. And Robert Frank joins us with the details this morning. Robert. Good morning, Andrew. Senator Warren, Bernie Sanders, and other Democrats in Congress unveiling what they call the ultra-millionaire tax. This is a tax on wealth rather than income. It's a 2% levy on all wealth over $50 million and a 3% tax on all wealth over a billion. <clears throat> About 100,000 households would pay the tax, so that's about the top 0.05%. Warren saying it would raise $3 trillion over the next decade to help pay for childcare, education, and infrastructure. Critics point out that it may be unconstitutional, and most European countries have actually gotten rid of their wealth taxes because the wealthy moved or they avoided the tax. But Argentina and Bolivia actually just passed new wealth taxes for the pandemic. Now, to help prevent avoidance, Warren's proposal would give $100 billion to the IRS for stronger enforcement, more annual audits, and an exit tax of 40% on those who try to renounce their citizenship. Now, billionaires would actually account for half of all revenues. Jeff Bezos would owe $5.7 billion under the new tax just for 2020. Elon Musk, $4.6 billion and Bill Gates, $3.6 billion. That is, Andrew, every year. So even for these guys, pretty soon you're talking real money. Robert, um, what's the chance that this uh, actually either passes or, or changes the conversation? We've heard the Biden administration say this isn't something that they're planning to do. I, I spoke to Janet Yellen uh, last week. It's something that she thinks is just, frankly, too complicated to pull off. You know, a wealth tax has been discussed, but it's not something that President Biden um, has come out in favor of. I think it's something that has very difficult implementation problems. Yeah, I thought that quote from Yellen uh, that you got from her was really interesting. She, of course, oversees the IRS. So she said implementation is just really difficult with a wealth tax, which is exactly what European countries have found. I think, look, this was a campaign promise for Warren. It's essentially the same tax that she proposed during her campaign. Bernie Sanders and others have been pushing uh, for a wealth tax for years. So I think they were sort of obliged to do this for the voters that support of that. I don't think it has a chance, but it could move the debate for phase two here when we talk about higher taxes for the infrastructure bill to move the, the goalpost to, well, if you think a 28% corporate income tax is high, at least we're not doing a wealth tax. So it makes whatever Biden and the others would propose look more moderate next to this wealth tax. Robert, is it people have brought up property tax, so you, you can't really say it's unheard of or, or confiscatory because it, it's already done. But I just have this 
this view of property law that goes back centuries that if you've abided by all the tax laws as you're trying to build your wealth and you've paid taxes while you were doing it and now you do have a tax advantage situation through capital gains or, or however you pay lower taxes. Now, you played by the rules all the way through and it seems to me that you're going back and changing the rules after you didn't really violate the law or do anything wrong. And, and my point is, you're doing it because these people have more money than they need, and there's a lot of people who don't have enough money that they need. So once you decide that you're going to, as a government, decide who has too much, and you're going to start taking it, if you're going to take money from someone with 50 million, and you got someone with 50 billion, why not really make it progressive? Why do 3% on a billion and up? Why not do 2% on 50, bill, 50 million and then do 10, 20, 30? I mean, Bezos, you could do 50 or 60 and it wouldn't affect him and you'd really raise some money. So once you're going to do it, why not do it? Should I ask Senator Warren that? Well, you should and I'm sure you will. But look, as Andrew has covered so well, there is so much wealth in this country that goes untaxed because it is stock market wealth as opposed to income. And this is because of stepped up basis and all kinds right. of things in the but tax you code just that address reward that. You could just address and, and, that without doing. Right. right. And that makes sense. But this is just that's right. This is just taxing wealth that a lot of people have earned not that way, but fair and square. I don't know if it's fair and square. They could be lucky. They could have inherited it. There's a lot of ways they got it. But you're deciding they got too much. Aren't you? Yes. And, and look, and, that, and, and look, we can't ignore the fact that this is very popular among both Democrats, Republicans and independents. Not surprising because only 0.05 percent right. of the population would pay it. Right. But it is politically popular. We have to recognize that. Right. Hey, I, I don't know why I'm even saying this stuff. It, uh, you know, let's get them. Let's, let's eat the rich. I don't, I, it's not going to hurt me or you probably. I don't know about you. You know, you, you, you're doing pretty well. Anyway, thank you, Robert. Joining us right now, Senator Elizabeth Warren. She serves, of course, on both the banking and finance committee. Senator, thank you uh, for joining us. You have stirred up quite a conversation, and we want to have it with you uh, this morning in particular, what I, I wanted to start here, I had a conversation uh, with Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen last week, and I asked her about the prospect of a wealth tax. And she said she thought it was, quote, very difficult uh, with implementation problems. And I wanted to understand your thought about how this would work. So I just want to start by saying if Janet Yellen is all on board except for implementation, we're in really good shape on this because the implementation part is really a lot easier than it looks. Remember the way that the wealth tax is built. It says if your fortune is below $50 million, nothing. We're not talking to you. If it's above 50 million, your 50 millionth and first dollar, you got to pitch in two cents, two cents for every dollar above that. You hit a billion dollars in assets. You got to pitch in a few pennies more. The nice thing about the way it's set up is we learned from some of the mistakes they made in Europe. So this version of the wealth tax says it covers all of your property. Doesn't matter whether it's held in uh, stock or in real estate or in racehorses. Everything is covered, so there's no point in moving property around. Also, wherever you hold it, it is covered, whether you hold it here in the U.S., whether you hold it in the Cayman Islands. And remember, we are already valuing property. We do it at death. We value all real estate every year for real estate taxes. And valuing stock 
is not very hard. So I think we've kind of got the, the implementation part of this locked down. Senator, what do you make, though, of the idea that people believe, some people believe, this would be considered confiscatory, but perhaps more importantly, that that oftentimes these are, quote unquote, unrealized gains. We've seen remarkable gains in the stock market this year, but who knows what's going to happen next year? We've seen uh, Bitcoin millionaires and billionaires get made. But of course, we, we, it's, it's a very volatile um, asset, if it's an asset at all. You know. Andrew, I hope you're embarrassed to ask if two cents is confiscatory. Um, you know, this is two cents on assets above $50 million. And, and just to put that in a little context, since the pandemic, our 660 billionaires in America have increased their wealth by $1.3 trillion. You know, this wealth tax will raise about $3 trillion over 10 years as you started out. And what people should be thinking about is what does that tell you about the top end of the wealth distribution that a two-cent wealth tax, like I said, a little bit more on, on billionaires, but a two-cent wealth tax will raise $3 trillion over 10 years. And that's that's money we reinvest in America. Senator, though, let me just ask you, and, and sure. we've talked about this before. What do you what do you think of, for example, uh, dealing with the current structure, which is to say to deal with the estate tax in a more meaningful way, deal with the step up basis uh, issue uh, that, that creates a real problem that that if you could do that unto itself, maybe that would be considered a wealth tax. So, well, you're right. We do all kinds of things that are a part of dealing with wealth. But understand, a direct wealth tax, a two-cent wealth tax, is what yields the revenue, uh, the revenue that we need, just a straight across the board. It's the fairest. It's the most progressive. And here's the thing. It helps level the playing field just a little bit. Right now, the 99% of America... That's everybody who doesn't have wealth of $50 million or more. They paid last year about 7.2% of their total wealth in taxes. The top one-tenth of 1%, 1 the people who would be covered by the wealth tax, they paid about 3.2%, less than half. You put a two-cent wealth tax on them, and the playing field is at least a little more level. It's still tilted in favor of the giant millionaires and the billionaires. So this is about just trying to level it out so everybody in America gets a chance. Hi, Senator. Uh, I, I sent you that, that picture. We'll, we'll always have Cincinnati, as you know. My kids still, <laughs> my kids still talk about it. I'm softening you up a little. Uh, okay, we, we, I'm ready. That, you were there for, with, uh, for uh, Hillary Clinton back, it was yep. about four or five years ago at that great I hotel. I remember. I happened to be there, and my daughter, obviously your inspiration to all uh, young women, and, and my son too, actually. But all right, now that I've said all that, okay. Okay. Okay, so bear with me just for a second. So this is not punitive, right? We're not, we're not no. punishing the, okay, it's not punitive. So they've no. played, they haven't broken any laws to, to no. accrue all this wealth, okay. Once that, then we are actually deciding that maybe they've made uh, enough to a certain point where they don't need all of it. Now, now bear with me for a second. If you're going to do 2% on 50 million, 
And then when you get up to a billion and you're going to do 3%, if we've, made, if we've crossed the Rubicon and said you have more money than you can ever spend and you don't need it and you need to help out the rest of us, why not make it truly progressive and do 10% at a billion? Do 20% at 10 billion? Why, why not do it that way once you get started and raise some real money? What, what would be the problem? Why would Bezos do 3% when some poor schmo at, at only 50 million does 2%? So, look. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just a girl from Oklahoma. I think $3 trillion actually sounds like a lot of money. And raising $3 trillion that we can reinvest in our economy, can, for just a minute, can we talk about what that $0.02, cent, $0.03 cent would be? It's not punitive on those at the top. They can still grow their fortunes. But here's the thing. It's enough for universal child care. It's enough for universal pre-K. It's enough to make sure that every baby in this country has good care and raise the wages of every child care worker in preschool you didn't in America. You didn't answer me. No. Make it 10 times as good. Make it, <laughs> if you're going to decide that some people have too much, and 50 million is too much. And you see, this looks to me like we're changing the rules of the game that go back centuries for if you've paid your taxes on the way in and accrued this. And a lot of these people would rather do really good things with the money than they don't think the government does it well. So, you know, that's another issue that I'm hearing from a lot of people that they want to give it to Harlem, uh, you know, uh, the Harlem, uh, the things that they do. Why, but go back to the original thing. Why not make it 5% or 10% on people that are really loaded? Okay, I'm loving this morning. I cannot believe that I've gotten you to say that we should tax the rich more, Joe. It's not hurting but me. But I'm, not hurting I'm me, loving Senator. this moment. But, <laughs> but do okay. remember, this is just like we do on real estate taxes. We say every year, not as a punishment, you pay real estate taxes. And we want to make sure that those who have pay a percentage. Now, I hear you about the percentages. You want to make the argument to pay an even greater percentage? Make the argument. The point I'm trying to make is we can make a modest, just a modest change. And those at the top would still not be paying as much of their wealth in taxes as the 99%, and it would be transformative. Transformative for our children, transformative for what we could invest in infrastructure, transformative for how we could build a future. That $3 trillion, that goes a long way in America toward creating opportunity, not just for those at the top, but creating it for everyone else. I think it's a great place to start. Hey, Senator, it's Becky. Um, hi, Becky. I, I'm not going to, hi, good to see you. I'm not going to get out um, a violin, a world's smallest violin for any of these people. But, but I will say many of them have the equity that's built up because they founded a company, have <laughs> done something, and they still are worth all of this money because they own a massive amount in the company. They don't want to sell the, those shares often because they want to maintain control of the company. Um, they take their money and they invest it back into the company and that in turn creates jobs, which is why we have seen such a phenomenal um, American economy where, where these things happen. Um, would you force people to sell shares in their company, force them to do something else? And are you worried that that would in turn slow the job creation? 
So the answer is no. Uh, there's lots of technical pieces about what you do if people are liquidity constrained. But Becky, I'm going to give you the, the reverse answer to Joe. It's two cents. Come on. We're not talking about, we're talking about fortunes that are growing now at what? 6%, 8%, 10%, 12%. And we're saying you can keep growing your fortunes. Just pitch in two cents so everybody else gets a chance. And by the way, let me make the pitch to the people who really are investing in their businesses. How do businesses thrive? They thrive when there's good infrastructure. And our infrastructure is so badly outdated. And why? Because we don't have the money to spend on it. Businesses thrive when they have well-educated employees. And yet we're not spending to educate our kids. I talked about preschool. How about K-12? How about making college universal and giving all of our kids a chance to develop to their full potential? That's going to be good for those businesses as well. We want to build an America that works better. And believe me, the guys at the top, they'll do great in an America like that. Let me ask you about share buybacks. This is something I've also heard you talk about recently, where you said share buybacks is market manipulation. I mean, share buybacks in a lot of ways, if you're just thinking of it as a partnership. And I know that, you know, legally you've looked through all of these things. You're a professor on these issues. But if you want to buy out your partners, your partner wants out, you buy back the shares. I mean, that, that doesn't sound to me like market manipulation. It just sounds like the way businesses work. No, if if you want to buy your partner shares and you want to hold your partner shares, that's fine. But that's not what share buybacks well, that's are. That's what a company share is doing. Buybacks, buying back. No, well, it sure share, is. share buybacks it, are going it, into the market and pumping up the price of your shares by sucking not, back in by using your own cash not to invest in business. Look, I'm not the one who, there who started on the idea it, that this would you was make it manipulation. This was the view of the SEC back in the 1980s. And that was there is no reason for a company to move into the market and buy anonymously thousands of its own shares for any reason other than to raise the price of its shares. And why do they want to raise the price of their shares? Because executive compensation is tagged to that price or because they have set I understand other the executive compensation the and I and that's I understand that's executive compensation shouldn't be tied to it. I, I can understand executive compensation not being tied to earnings per share because that you could maneuver over a short period of time. Not, not but could. it seems to they me that do. there are times when a company should well, it seems to me that there's a very good time for companies to buy back shares when they think the market's undervaluing those shares and they're better off bringing in and, and making sure that all the shareholders have a bigger part of the company and, and maybe shrinking the number of partners they have out there. That's what dividends are for. If you think that you have excess cash and don't have a business opportunity, put it out there in dividends. But the, the purpose of going into the market anonymously, buying up those shares, is to do nothing but inflate your own share price. It just doesn't have another purpose. Senator, uh, two final questions from me. And, and one may be philosophical, but it is in practice how, how the wealth tax would work. What would mm -hmm. happen uh, if in a given year uh, your net worth was valued at 50, 100 million dollars, a billion dollars or whatnot, never realized, of course, you pay the tax on it, and the next year, somehow, for whatever reason, uh, you get wiped out. I, I, know, I know nobody's thinking that Jeff Bezos is getting wiped out tomorrow, yeah. but 
I know there's a lot of people who think, for example, that Tesla stock is a particularly volatile stock. And so one year, Elon Musk may pay one rate, and then the next year, uh, clearly wouldn't be paying on that. Do you take that as a loss against that or no? No, you just don't pay taxes that year. What do you do on real estate? Your real estate is valued every year, and you pay taxes on how it's valued. And if your real estate becomes worthless, you don't pay taxes on it. There's nothing unusual about this. What we've done is try to streamline it. So, uh, for example, it's set up now to say we're not going to uh, collect taxes on any asset worth less than $50,000. So this is not intrusive. It's not about coming into people's homes and valuing their sub-zeros or figuring out what their uh, four-year-old cars are worth. But it says if you've got a fortune above $50 million, you, you pay on it. And if your fortune is below $50 million, you don't. Good for you. Either way, I mean, I think most people would rather be rich and pay two cents, but but it's it's not this is not very fancy. It really is a tax on fortunes above $50 million. Now, we do understand the direction we've been going. This pandemic has created more billionaires. The people at the top are not barely right. hanging on by their fingernails. At a time when people making less than $30,000 in America have an unemployment rate at about 20%, the folks at the top increase their wealth by $1.3 trillion. So this is just just trying to say when you're in that space, you got to pay two cents, three cents. Senator, I wanted to get you to weigh in on two other quick things. Uh, One is just uh, we, we talk about Bitcoin virtually every day these days. Uh, It will have an implication on your tax proposal, perhaps, again, given the volatility uh, of it. Um, There are people like uh, Janet Yellen who are warning uh, that this is uh, both speculative in nature and is going to uh, potentially end badly. I don't think that Bitcoin, I've said this before, is widely used as a transaction mechanism. To the extent it's used, I fear it's um, often for illicit finance. it's an extremely inefficient way of um, conducting transactions. Do you have a view? Yeah, I think that Janet's a really smart woman. Um, that's all you're going to say about Bitcoin? Well, uh, and speculative then- in nature and going to end badly. I thought I, I don't think Janet left a lot of room for ambiguity there. Um, uh, well, and by the way, I should say I'm not sure she said it necessarily could end badly, but it could end badly for some. I uh, wanted to also get you to weigh in on uh, another headline uh, that uh, that a lot of people are talking about this morning. And I know that is a big issue in the Democratic Party, which is, can you speak to what's happening uh, with the governor of this state where we are, New York, uh, Andrew Cuomo, uh, and uh, just the number of, of women that have come forward in recent days um, and what you think it means and what he should or should not do? Right. I think there should be a full independent investigation by somebody appointed by the AG without any interference from Governor Cuomo's office. Investigate. Senator, I, I just uh, it's, it's me again. It's me again. We, it went so well last time. And, you, you know, you, you you've got me on your side now. Uh, All right. That's, Good. No, no, you don't. You don't. But but <laughs> anyway, uh, oh, on, on the, oh, uh-huh. I, I can see that people that are doing really well need to, to chip in more. I'm not sure how we do it. I'm not sure that's the best way. I, I, I don't know. It, it just seems to go against property 
law for, for years. But don't, that's not what I'm talking about now. I'm going back to, to the, the, the buybacks. So just balance sheet management, a company is growing. So it issues a lot of new shares. That would be considered, in, in your logic, as, as manipulation for, for the stock to go down. And it's really no. not. They're just, they're just trying to make, okay, let's say they've issued it's too many capital. in the but if they've issued too many in the if they issued too many in the past, and now they're looking at their shares outstanding, and they think, "Wow, interest rates are zero, um, all, but I don't want to buy it." I'm thinking about Buffett. I don't want to buy any of these companies because they're they're overvalued right now. I think my company is the cheapest thing there. I want to bring in some of those shares that I issued previously. Not, and even if it does help the stock rise. Why is that so bad for shareholders, uh, for pension plans that own the stock, for uh, state retirement plans that own the stock? You reduce the float. Earnings per share goes up. The stocks go up. Everybody's doing better. Income inequality no. narrows. Oh, We're all on. winning, Senator. We're all winning. Come on. What do you mean, come on? Come on. This is nothing but paper manipulation. Everybody's doing better. Listen to yourself. Nothing about the business changed. They're still turning out the same number of widgets at the same cost and selling them to the same customers. Nothing changed. But they got a little fluff and buff in their stock. And how did they do that? By taking their excess cash and saying, but geez, we can't figure out anything to do with this cash. We're gonna not going to give it back to our investors. The, you're gonna put the We're going to make in the, the investment decision <laughs> that the only investment in America that makes any but sense Senator, you're going to put the governor in the business stock. of managing the balance sheets for these companies that are trying to do what they think is right for their capital structure. And oh, no one wants I, that. <laughs> right. So you and you don't think they're at all influenced that they're just trying to fluff up their stock prices. No, I resemble that word. I don't like job, that. <laughs> oh, their okay. job is to do the business. Okay, and Senator. if they have business investments, they should do it. If they don't give the money back to the investors. That's what dividends are for. OK, great okay. having you on. Right, Senator here. Warren. Uh, we appreciate it very, very much. Uh, thanks for uh, the conversation, the debate. We hope we can do it more often with you and look forward to seeing you again very, very soon. Oh, thank you. It's always good to be with all of you. Squawk Pod, we'll be right back. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Good morning and welcome back. Welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin. You're at home, Becky. No one's going to 
ask you for coffee. Maybe Matt, but uh, probably not. That's getting a lot of... Uh, <laughs> God almighty. I thought the wealth tax would get a lot of uh, attention. That is uh, it's explode. I'm, it's going to be trending soon. If you don't know, you got to check Becky's Twitter feed. Breaking news this morning. President Biden is going to be announcing that Merck is going to help make the Johnson & Johnson COVID vaccine. This is according to a new Washington Post report that said Merck will dedicate two of its U.S. facilities to manufacture those shots. It's unclear at this point how that added capacity will impact the expected supply of delivered vaccines. Obviously, it's going to be big news, good news, that more vaccines are coming, but it's hard to say exactly when that will roll in. Um, but this is really interesting. Merck, you may remember, a few months ago dropped its own candidate, and this is just a sign of what happens when everybody pitches in and helps out. Merck saying that it's going to go ahead and manufacture the J&J &J vaccine. That just received the emergency use authorization yesterday or started rolling out yesterday, got that authorization over the weekend. And that's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening and thanks for sticking with us through this long or short or whatever year. We got to get through March till we can get to April and this starts subsiding. And it was one, it really is the long March. We're still in March. We're in, it's March again. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears. Subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.